Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to the Science of Success. Introducing your host, Matt Bodner. Welcome to the Science of Success, the number one evidence-based growth podcast on the internet with more than 3 million downloads and listeners in over 100 countries. In this episode, we discuss cutting-edge brain hacks that sound like they're straight out of science fiction. Is it possible to use technology to rapidly change the structure of your brain? How does your brain actually learn? What is neuroplasticity and why is it so important? What are the key things that you can do in your life to improve your brain health, memory, and performance? We discuss all of this along with a truly innovative technology that may be the key to unlocking super performance and massively accelerating your learning with our guest, Dr. Daniel Chow. I'm going to tell you why you've been missing out on some incredibly cool stuff if you haven't signed up for our email list yet, all you have to do to sign up is to go to successpodcast.com and sign up right on the homepage. On top of tons of subscriber-only content, exclusive access, and live Q&As with previous guests, monthly giveaways, and much more, I also created an epic free video course just for you. It's called How to Create Time for What Matters Most Even When You're Really Busy. Email subscribers have been raving about this guide. You can get all of that and much more by going to successpodcast.com and signing up right on the homepage or by texting the word SMARTER to the number 44222 on your phone. If you like what I do on Science of Success, my email list is the number one way to engage with me and go deeper on what I discuss on the show, including free guides, actionable takeaways, exclusive content, and much, much more. Sign up for my email list today by going to successpodcast.com and signing up right on the homepage. 
or if you're on the go, if you're on your phone right now, it's even easier. Just text the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. I can't wait to show you all the exciting things you'll get when you sign up and join the email list. In our previous episode, we welcomed legendary researcher Dr. Brene Brown to the science of success. We discussed vulnerability and learned that vulnerability is not weakness, it's not oversharing, and it's not soft. We learned that even brave and courageous people are scared all the time. We discussed the incredible power of learning to get back up when you're down, how you can stop caring what other people think about you, and so much more in our previous in-depth interview. You absolutely can't miss our last episode with Dr. Brene Brown. Be sure to check out our previous show. Now, for our interview with Dan. Today, we have another fascinating guest on the show, Dr. Daniel Chow. Dan is a neurotech entrepreneur specializing in devices that improve brain performance. He's the co-founder and CEO of Halo Neuroscience. The company's first product, Halo Sport, is the first neurostimulation system built specifically for athletes. Before Halo, Dr. Chow was the head of business development at Neuropace and a consultant at McKinsey & Company. Dan, welcome to the Science of Success. Hey, thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Well, we're really excited to have you on the show today and dig into some of these fascinating topics because I know you go really deep into the science and the research and the neuroscience around a lot of this stuff. To begin, let's let's take a really simple approach to this. Tell me about what goes on in the brain when we're learning something. How does the brain at a, at a scientific level uh, collect knowledge and and actually change as we're learning? Yeah, so there's a process called neuroplasticity. And, you know, that borrows from the word plastic. And, you know, we know of, you know, something that's plastic that is, you know, it's just like a material that can change shapes. And that is our brain. You know, it's it's at a microscopic level, but our brain is a living computer chip. You know, the computer chip that powers your cell phone and your and your laptop is a static computer chip. Ours is even more special. Like ours has the ability to create new circuits on demand so you know this like you know the the idea of you know a plastic brain has existed for a while and in fact the nobel prize in the year 2000 went out to a group of scientists that discovered neuroplasticity and the mechanisms behind it so neuroplasticity was such a significant scientific discovery for the world that the Nobel Prize went out to a group of scientists in the year 2000 to recognize this accomplishment. So neuroplasticity is the process by which our brain retunes itself based on our needs. It's the process by which our brain creates new neuronal connections, new synapses with other neurons. And it's also a destructive process. So processes that aren't relevant anymore, like processes that we're not using anymore, will be selectively destroyed to make room for neuronal connections that are actually useful to us. So yeah, that's, you know, learning in a nutshell, that's that like the cellular and like neuroscience ex- explanation for how learning and memory works. So let's break that down and explain it in, in simple terms for, for somebody who's listening in the audience. If let's say I want to learn how to play ping pong, right? And I'm practicing my swing, practicing my swing. What's actually going on every time I do that inside the circuitry of my brain? Yeah, great, great example you pick. So playing ping pong, 
let's just pick on the motor system. So like, how do you move through a perfect ping pong forehand, for example? You know, what you do is you practice, right? You get a friend or, you know, they've got these serving machines now and you'll, you know, be on the receiving end of multiple, multiple forehand shots. And you do this for hours and days on end. And after a certain number of usually hundreds or several thousand reps, you start to get really good at that. So it's this repetitive practice, this focused, deliberate, repetitive practice that is really a signal to the brain that says, hey, I'm really interested in this. I'm so interested in this that I'm going to do this again. Will you please pay attention? And you do it again. And you do it again. And you do it again hundreds, thousands of times. And over the course of all of that practice, all of those repetitions, what's happening in your brain is it's, it's, it's realizing that this is happening and it's building new neuronal connections to create a circuit such that you don't have to think about it as much anymore. You can just call on this program and activate the circuit to produce this certain kind of movement. In this case, it's the ping pong forehand reproducibly with a high degree of skill with you thinking about it less and less and less over time. And ideally, this movement is so perfected that you can call on this program during you know, the most critical points of a competition. And you know, so that that, you know, it's ping pong, it's, you know, if you're Steph Curry, it's a three-pointer. You know, if you're Lindsey Vaughn, you know, it's you know a downhill ski run. But that is the reason that we practice. That is the reason why repetition is the foundation of what we think of as practice. You know, you're, you're doing things over and over and over again to basically like almost hone a groove within our brain to create these neuronal circuits that it becomes second nature at some point. Like at some point, you, you don't have to think about, you know, moving your elbow and your wrist at just the right moment. It just happens automatically. And that automaticity, when you think about what happens in the brain, is this creation of a new circuit that you can call on. And I think you'd used an analogy at one point of, of it almost being like a path through the forest that starts out as, as maybe a hiking trail and then becomes a, pa- a dirt road and then becomes a paved road, et cetera. Yeah, that's right. So it's a fun analogy that we like to, like, like to use in the company. So yeah, like, like you know, the first time you do it, it, it might feel like you've got a machete and you're carving a path through the Amazon. But over time, you know, the second and third time you go down this trail, you're like, ah, I don't need to use a machete anymore, but I do need to kind of stamp down some of the weeds. And so you do that. And then, you know, after a hundred trips down this trail, you know, it starts to, it's starting to look like like a, a proper trail and then a road and then, you know, a two lane highway, then a four lane highway. And before you know it, you know, it's this highly functioning, well-paved road. And that's, you know, that is what you're doing. That is what all this practice and repetition does little by little. And in the case of a circuit in our brain, you know, instead of a road, think about a synapse. Like there are small synapses, there are big synapses, big, robust synapses that are packed with neurotransmitters. And when they fire, they they create really robust action potentials on the other side, right? And then what that does is it creates more of those, like, you know, bigger, more of these synapses leads to stronger, tighter connections, which is effectively a new circuit. And then you could also think about the cabling, you know, I, I'm not sure if you guys in 
previous podcasts have talked about myelination, but myelination is like the rubber sheath around your, like it, like a USB cable. And the more of this rubber sheath that you have, you know, this protective layer, the faster that nerve is able to conduct that electrical impulse. So, you know, all of this practice leads to more and more robust synapses, which leads to more insulation around the cabling so that the signal can travel faster. And, you know, you as someone who has practiced a lot, the benefits that you feel is a more automatic movement. Like, you know, in the case of movement, we're talking about ping pong it is a more automatic movement, but you know, obviously it's not limited to ping pong. You know, it could be state capitals. It could be your multiplication table, you know, things that we learned as a kid that are second nature to us. And so we've definitely, we've definitely hinted at and kind of talked about the idea of myelination and this notion that when you, when you think something a lot or think about something a lot, you're starting to reinforce and build the, the, that circuitry inside your brain. But I think it's worth really rehashing this, this fundamental thesis, which may seem almost strange or even science fiction-esque to some people that repetition and practice and any kind of thought pattern ultimately fundamentally changes the physical structure of the brain over time. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Thank you for bringing that up and repeating that and like giving me some more time to talk about that because, yeah, the brain is a plastic organ. Like if that's one thing that, you know, like a teaching point from this podcast, I would really love to just hone in is that our brain is a plastic organ and it adapts to our needs. That is one of the most amazing things about our brain is that it's able to adapt to our needs. You know, there's amazing examples of this. You know, like take for example, someone who's had an ACL tear and they're unable to move their knee. If you look inside the brain, things are happening during this period of disuse. So during this period of disuse, so, you know, let's say there's successful surgery, but, you know, you're still, you know, the knee is immobilized because it needs to rest itself. During this period of disuse, you will see atrophy that happens in the quads, for example, because they're not being used. The body is not feeling it like it should. And so you'll see, you'll visibly see those muscles getting smaller, right? Like maybe this has happened in, in, in your life with an elbow or a knee or something like that, or, you know, someone that, you know, but it's often just right there in front of you. But what people don't realize is that same process is happening in our brain. Like our brain is remodeling itself such that, you know, it's saying, oh, hey, this part of the, this part of the knee, I guess you're not using it. Hey, if you don't mind, you know, I'm the neighboring structure. I'm just going to mosey on in and start taking over this part of the brain. So there's remodeling in the brain because of disuse atrophy. You know, this is, I'm not sure if this is exactly what you want to talk about, but, you know, there's like, you know, this is, this is the use it or lose it principle. Like, you know, there's neuroplasticity cuts both ways. You know, it's amazing that it can adapt to our needs for things that we practice a lot. And that's awesome. And we should all take advantage of that. But, you know, it's this use it or lose it principle too, that if you're not exercising certain parts of your brain, you know, there are neighboring structures that are hungry for that territory and it'll move in and you like, there is the opportunity for you to lose that circuit 
right? You know, as lovely as it is to gain and rebuild new circuits, you know, we have to think about the things that we don't practice on a day-to-day basis because we could lose that ability just as easily as we could acquire something new. And that's a great, really compelling argument in favor of constantly learning and constantly improving yourself. Because if you're not, then you're not just staying static, you're actively atrophying and shrinking. And in some cases, your capacity is diminishing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, neurologists have talked about, you know, recommendations for a healthy lifestyle. You know, and this is all in anticipation of living a nice long life. And, you know, one of the, I guess, downsides of living into our 80s is that Alzheimer's could come into play. And, you know, neurologists have talked about just living a full life especially into retirement, you know, there's this propensity to just rest too much. But, you know, neurologists have talked about, you know, just getting out there, having conversations, watching movies, talking about it, you know, having engaging conversations with friends, shit, even maybe even going back to work just to keep the brain active. You know, I think most of your listeners tilt younger. And so, you know, this is typically not a problem because we live really full lives, but you know, it really begs the question, like, is there even more that we can do? So I want to expand this conversation a little bit and and think about from a broader perspective, because you're somebody who's spent decades studying the, the neuroscience, the physical structure of the brain, how we can look at brain interventions to improve brain health, to optimize the brain. What are some of the most effective strategies that you found both over the short term let's say you want a specific performance boost in a specific time period and also over longer term to optimize our brain and improve brain health? Yeah. So let's dive in. There's lots of different things. So I think one thing that we all know is important and yet we do nothing about is sleep. You know, especially when you're young, you know, there's the demands of the workday and also the demands of Um, you know, a really active social calendar will often put quality sleep in jeopardy. And, you know, there's a price to be paid here. You know, you can only power through so much poor sleep in your life. You know, at some point it it starts to have an impact and it might feel innocent enough at, at first, but, you know, this problem can compound on itself such that, you know, folks can get themselves into trouble, right? Like, you know, it's very like, your ability to be attentive and focused the next day after a crappy night of sleep, you know, it becomes really challenging. Emotional control also is much, much more difficult, you know, after a poor night of sleep. And, you know, we can get into all kinds of trouble, you know, if we find ourselves unable to control our emotions, like anger might step in, like making like kind of rash decisions may come into play. And, you know, if this is happening on just the wrong day, that could get us into a bunch of trouble. So, you know, not only is that sleep good for neural health, you know, it's just good for like good cognitive decision-making the next day. So, you know, everybody should think about good sleep and, you know, good sleep to me is about good habits. And again, like none of this is hard. You just got to do it. So, you know, trying to go to bed at the same time every day. So stick and do a schedule. Take it easy on caffeine after a certain time. And, you know, there's that, that, that time is different for everybody. But, you know, for me, it's early afternoon. No, no more caffeine for me after, say, 1 or 2 p.m. Take it easy on the alcohol. Most, a lot of people think that alcohol helps them sleep. 
And that might be true in terms of sleep induction. So it might help you go to sleep. But for the rest of the night, it's actually worse. So take it easy on the booze. Like, you know, actually, I would recommend just not drinking for a while and just feeling the benefits of quality sleep. And you might make different life decisions because of that. Go to bed in a cold room. You know, as we're coming out of the winter here in the United States, you know, the temperatures are going to be picking up. And to the extent that you can have a temperature controlled room that that's on the colder side and that'll help you sleep. So, you know, all of these things, you know, it's a lifestyle choice. Most people can do it. You know, it's really a question if you want to do it, if it's a priority or not. Yeah. In terms of, you know, other things that like I do, other, other people should do in, in terms of like brain health and cognitive health or, or, or brain performance. You know, I think about my day as a day that is unequal. So the first part of my day, you know, I'm usually coming off a decent night of sleep. I have better executive function in the first part of my day, not just me, we all do. And so you should prioritize work that is the most difficult for the earliest part of the day. Because you're going to be you're going to be at your your like a like a cognitive peak during this time of the day. So, you know, if you want to schedule like the hard meeting, you know, don't save it for the end of the day. You are likely going to be more emotional during the end of the day. Like, you know, emotional control is a limited resource. And we start with a lot early in the day. And over the course of the day, you're withdrawing from this bank account such that by the end of the day, you're more likely to, you know, to lose emotional control and you know, the potential for making a bad decision increases later in the day. So yeah, like think of your day as being unequal. And because of that, prioritize the hard work early. And, you know, if there's more mindless work, shift that to the end of the day if it's possible at all. So yeah, those are just a, a couple of things that I do. You know, there's, I, I get, you know, because of my line of work, you know, I get asked about nootropics a lot. You know, obviously Halo is a neurostimulation company. So I get asked about neurostimulation and, you know, I'm sure Matt, we're going to dive into that very deeply. So, you know, I could just say a little bit about nootropics and that I don't use any. You know, I think the science is pretty muddy in this area and I'm waiting for better science to come through both on the efficacy and safety side. I've tried many myself, just empirically. And, you know, I haven't, like, I haven't found any of those experiences to be particularly compelling. You know, maybe, maybe caffeine could be considered a neurotropic and I do, and I do drink coffee. But, but again, I, I like, I stop by the early afternoon, but I, you know, I do like pretty religiously every morning, uh, drink some coffee to just kind of kickstart my brain. So yeah, that anyways, just one that like proactively uh, get that out just in case that was of interest to your listeners, Matt. Yeah, that was definitely something I wanted to ask you about. And I've had a similar experience. I mean, I've, I've definitely experimented with a number of, of nootropics and, and done a little bit of homework on them as well. Have you ever come across, and this is getting far afield of sort of what the, the context of this interview is, but just out of curiosity, have you ever experimented with or done any homework on uh, ashwagandha? I have not. That's a new one. It's an interesting supplement. It's a long story, but there's a really cool website that we'll throw these in the show notes for listeners who want to do a little more homework on this. And 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 you might actually appreciate it as well, Dan, but it's called examine.com. And they basically do all this scientific, they, they, they 
comb through all the science. Like you can look up anything, whether it's fish oil, ashwagandha, any nootropic you can basically think of, any like creatine, aspartame, any any thing that you ingest basically that's a supplement of some kind or another. And you can basically see they'll compile all of the studies around that particular supplement or whatever it might be and give you the what all the the sort of amalgamation of what all the studies say so they say oh it has a moderate uh, effect of increasing cognition a minor effect on decreasing anxiety etc and it's really fascinating stuff if you want to do if you want to do homework on particular supplements and, and and things anyway all that to say i actually discovered like looking at some of their most recommended things i discovered ashwagandha on there as a as a nootropic and kind of messed around with it and thought it was interesting and it's one that's been around for a long time so maybe worth looking up at some point but we'll throw all that stuff in the show notes for people who want to do some homework on that anyway let's come back to the focus of your work because i think it's really fascinating and it's something that is is quite frankly completely i mean i've I've sort of heard of it but completely alien completely new different to me other than prior to experiencing halo tell me about how you're taking advantage of some of this emerging brain science to for lack of a better term, hack the brain or hack the the way that the brain learns and improve it. Yeah. So I like the way you said that. So, you know, there's been this incredible wealth of information born out of leading research labs around the world that help us understand the brain. You know, I would argue that it happened in the 90s with the decade of the brain. This is George H.W. Bush and his big push. And it really, I think, like, Starting from there, it just really spawned this new era of scientific research, like all really focused towards this brain, towards neuroscience. Where does that put us today, right? Like, you know, there's this, like, like all of this money and scientific attention that has been put into the brain. Like, you know, what exists today that's a product or a service that we can all take advantage of? And, you know, sure, there's been some advances in pharmacology. So, you know, new drugs that we can all benefit from that primarily act on the brain. And we should all be thankful for that. But, you know, it, it, you know, especially with drug therapy for the brain, I think there leaves a lot to be desired because, you know, any drug for the brain, there's usually a really long list of side effects. And at the end of the day, the amount of benefit that you derive from this drug is actually fairly limited. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that they don't work because they do. And, you know, obviously there's a really big business around um, drugs for the brain. But, you know, if you compare drugs for the brain versus the rest of the body, you know, it's down there. Like it ranks really, really poorly. So, you know, I started really thinking about this of like, you know, we have this completely renewed and far deeper more intricate understanding as to how the brain is wired and how the brain communicates with different parts of itself, you know, through neurons and synapses and this kind of thing. And yet there isn't a technology out there that's really taking advantage of all of this, you know, renewed understanding of the brain. And this goes back to when I was in medical school, went to Stanford for medical school and also have a master's in neuroscience from Stanford to, you know, sitting in a classroom and thinking like, well, why, if not drugs, and, you know, there's certain problems with drugs that I think are just like that, that we can't surmount, you know, the, you know, the fact that you have to take it by mouth and, you know, it goes through the gut into the blood 
does a lap around the whole body unnecessarily before it gets to the brain. And usually it's only a small portion of the drug that makes it into the brain. And then similarly, it goes all over the brain unnecessarily when it only needs to go to a small part of the brain to do its business. So, you know, there's just a lot of friendly fire when you're thinking about drugs for the brain. And, you know, it's a lot to ask of this little molecule to do what we want it to do. So, you know, if we all agree that drugs for the brain will always have some sort of downside to it, what would be a completely different approach, right? And I was thinking in medical school that, well, well, you know, what if that completely different approach is not a drug at all? What if it's a physical device, you know, that involves an electrode, a circuit board, and a battery, right? Like, what if we stimulated the brain with electricity, you know, in a way that's like that, that's far more modern than the old approach of like using ECT. You know, ECT was, you know, back in the 60s, we've come a long way. Like, remember what computers looked like in the 60s. Think about what computers look like today. We've come a long way. So what if we built electrical interfaces for the brain? And, you know, we, we used electrons as medicine, right? Like, you know, we, we've long known that the brain is an electrical organ. So why not speak its language and use electricity to retune circuits to either treat disease or to, you know, augment neuro capabilities in otherwise healthy people. So, you know, that, that idea in medical school has led to, you know, a really long career in developing neurostimulation devices for the brain. So you mentioned in, in, in my bio, you know, my first company, which is this company called Neuropace, you know, there what we built was like a pacemaker for the brain. So imagine uh, electrodes getting surgically implanted in the brain with a small computer that gets implanted in the skull for which the electrodes are connected to. Now this little computer has its own battery and its own software and computer chip. And what it does is it, you know, it's constantly listening to the brain's electrical activity. And if it sees an electrical signature pop up that's suggestive of a seizure about to happen, it proactively delivers a small electrical impulse to the brain to then normalize the brain's activity. So, you know, that, that, you know, what started as an idea is now an FDA approved product, you know, helping people with seizure disorders. So people with epilepsy in a way that, you know, we couldn't have even imagined like, you know, drug therapy has historically been really poor for th this group of very needy individuals. And we come along with this completely different approach, you know, this idea that might sound crazy at first, but, you know, if we take a step back, it also might be, and, and, and you know, think about it in an open-minded way, you know, it could be far more rational than using any drug, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the idea of using a physical device and the benefit of an electrode is like, you know, we could target you know, precisely the part of the brain that we want to target while leaving the rest of the brain and the rest of the body alone. And also a beautiful thing about a circuit is that you can turn it on and off whenever you want. You know, you can't do that with a drug. You know, you take a drug and you're kind of stuck with it, you know, until it clears itself. But with an electrode, because it's connected to a circuit, you know, we can flip it on and off at our disposal. So, you know, really like a different level of precision medicine that we could take advantage of 
when we're thinking about a physical device like a neurostimulator versus a drug. So, you know, that that was my um, that was my first company in the space of neurostimulation. And, you know, fast forward to today, you know, as you mentioned, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Halo Neuroscience. And again, we're we're building neurostimulators here, a different kind of neurostimulator, though. So it's not a medical implant like my last company. So this is a wearable neurostimulator. So, you know, importantly, no surgery involved. You know, our first our first product looks like a set of headphones. But if folks are on our website, you know, what they'll notice is some special pieces built into the underside of the arch of the headphone. And, you know, those those are electrodes. And what that does is it gently physically contacts the scalp. And when you turn on the neurostimulator, it provides a level of neurostimulation that is strong enough to get through the skull while gently interacting with just the superficial layers of the of the cortex. And what that does, so 20 minutes of this special kind of neurostimulation, what that does is it induces a temporary state of hyperplasticity. So, you know, just a few minutes ago, we were talking about neuroplasticity. So neuroplasticity is the process by which we learn. It's the process by which we create new circuits in our brain. Hyperplasticity is just more of that. So like, what can we do with this form of neurostimulation, right? And the future of learning and memory. You know, what we see is this is a tool that just about anybody can use to learn faster. And, you know, let's face it, starting in our late teens, our ability to learn starts to decline. You know, this this process of neuroplasticity, it's most robust when we're young. But as we get older, you know, it starts to slow down. Importantly, it never goes to zero, which we should all be thankful for and taking advantage of. But, you know, let's face it, you know, the older we get, the more frustrating it is to learn. And, you know, what I'm so excited about with you know, this form of neurostimulation is that, you know, we're able to induce these temporary states of hyperplasticity to use it to our advantage. And so, you know, this process of learning, you know, we could facilitate that, you know, like, like one way to think about our technology is that we, you know, we can make your brain temporarily kid-like so that we can learn at the rate like which we used to, which to me is really exciting. You know, just full transparency, I'm in my 40s. And, you know, I, I certainly remember the days when I was much younger, even even in my 20s when I was in medical school, I could I could just remember a lot faster and a lot more material in a, you know, m- much shorter time. And I hunger for those days. And like the cool thing about, uh, you know, this technology that we're developing is that it helps me get back to those days. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring the right person takes time. Time that you often don't have. But you shouldn't let a time crunch get in the way of finding the right candidates for your business. That's why LinkedIn is the best place to post your job. In fact, I was on LinkedIn Jobs this morning looking for candidates to fill a key role in one of my businesses. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with hard and soft skills you're looking for so that you can hire the right person quickly. You can look for things like collaboration, creativity, and adaptability, looking beyond just work skills and resumes to connect you with the candidates who are a perfect match for your business. That's how LinkedIn makes sure that your job post gets in front of the people you actually want to hire, because they have a much better ability to get a deep insight into exactly who is the right candidate for you and your business. Find the right person meant for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want, and the first $50 is on them. Just visit linkedin.com slash success. Again, that's linkedin.com slash success to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. So I want to break that down a little bit and like really concretely and specifically because I'm really curious about how to actually apply this. So if you induce a state of hyperplasticity, you know, one, how long does that state last in my brain? And then the second piece of that is if I learn something in that state, and I also have a question about the sort of learning that can go on with that, you know, does the learning that takes place within that state, is that a permanently increased amount of learning? I guess let's start with those two. And then I also have a question about like what what kinds of things I can do. Because I know that the Halo Neuros focus primarily around sort of athletic ability or, or, or motor skills. But if I wanted to put it on and read a book, could I do that? And would that would that improve my learning retention and, and, and permanent sort of memory of, of what I just read? All right. So let's let's pick them off one by one. The first thing you asked about is how long are you in this window of hyperplasticity? So great question. So 20 minutes of neurostimulation opens up a window of about an hour of hyperplasticity. So let's let's get really practical here. So what does that mean with our first product? So our first product is Halo Sport. Halo Sport is just a fancy marketing term for a motor cortex neurostimulator. So the motor cortex, so this special part of the brain that controls movement in our bodies, sits in our brain like a horseshoe going from ear to ear right over the top of our head. So any set of headphones, the arch of the headphone just naturally goes over the motor cortex. So hence the headphone form factor for Halo Sport. That's why we picked that form factor because it's perfect for us, right? Like the, the arch of the headphone is just naturally going over exactly the neuroanatomy that we want to target. So we 
build our electrodes into the underside of the arch you know, of our headphones. And if you wear that for 20 minutes, what we then want you to do for the next hour is to practice some movement that you want to get better at. So we've been talking about athletes and you know, certainly applications in athletic pursuits, but internally at the company, we have a much broader definition of what we think an athlete is. So, you know, we would consider musicians athletes. So, you know, think about like the technical mechanical skill of playing violin or piano or guitar. We think of folks in the military as athletes, you know, think about the mechanical skill of say shooting a gun. We think of surgeons as athletes. You know, in fact, we're working with about a dozen medical schools already to help the next generation of surgeons learn how to tie sutures and this type of thing at an accelerated rate. So, yeah, just getting really practical here, you know, what we want athletes to do or surgeons or folks in the military, what we want them to do is wear the headset for 20 minutes, generally while they're warming up. So the warm up's about 20 minutes, they're stretching, so on and so forth. The neurostimulation is about 20 minutes. So, you know, that's a, that's a nice chunk of time. You're welcome to take the headset off after those 20 minutes of neurostimulation. And then what we want you to do for that next hour is to give us awesome training reps, like a thoughtful, deliberate training repetitions. So practice three pointers, practice your ping pong forehand, practice scales on the violin, you know, whatever kind of movement that you are practicing during that next hour, you will learn that movement at an accelerated rate. And is that learning permanent? Exactly. So that yeah, your, your second question was, you know, in the next hour, you did a bunch of practice and you learned more than you would have otherwise. Awesome. What happens to that additional lift in learning? Right. And so scientists call this the durability of the effect. And it's been scientifically tested. And we can, you know, if you're interested in rolling up our sleeves, we can we can talk about some of the data. But, you know, in short, just cutting to the chase, what you learned in the state of hyperplasticity is as durable as any result that you would have gained through a bunch of practice, even without neurostimulation. So it's a durable effect. You know, I think, Matt, while why maybe why you asked that is many people are afraid of some sort of dependence to the neurostimulation, that you have to keep using it to maintain this additional lift in learning benefit. And that's not true. So, you know, for, for brain, whether you learned it the regular way or you learned it with the benefit of neurostimulation, like that lift in learning is yours to keep. So it kind of, it, to come back to the earlier analogy of the path through the forest, it, it starts to pave that road, but the road stays paved even if you don't ever use the stimulation again. Right, to the same, so yeah, like the, the paved road will remain paved as it would even if you didn't use neurostimulation, right? But, you know, the weeds will, like if you don't practice, and this goes back to the, you know, the first few minutes of the show, if you don't practice, you'll see cracks in the pavement and weeds growing through the pavement. And if left untended for long enough, it's going to grow back to the jungle. And that's a great, that's a great way to tie that analogy back up too, and come back to the idea of that neuroplasticity cuts both ways and the brain can, can atrophy as well. That's right. That's right. So you could lose this nice road, but importantly, the pavement doesn't crack any faster if you use brain stimulation or not. 
right? The weeds don't grow back any faster if you use brain stimulation or not. You know, that road is as durable with whether you use brain stimulation or no brain stimulation, that road is your road. All right. I have a couple more questions about this because it's such a a novel and an interesting application of some of this cutting edge brain science that it's a little bit scary for lack of a better term. And I don't, I mean, I know you've done a lot of the research and, and it's, it's very safe from, from all the science, but I just want to hear a little bit more about that. I guess the first piece would be, let's what happens if I put, put it on the wrong way or put it on the wrong part of my brain? Yeah. So if you know how to put on headphones, you will almost certainly not be putting it in like a wrong part of your brain. So the biggest problem that we have in terms of positioning is for a lot of the our, our younger users, you know, for style reasons, it's 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 cool or whatever to tilt your headphones backwards more than say the generation before. So that's not us. You know, for us, proper positioning is the headphones straight up and down if you're standing straight, straight up. So nice and vertical. You know, we did a bunch of usability testing before we released our product, and 99% of people who just naturally put on the set of head, uh, our headphones had proper positioning. You know, that 1% was, you know, like a couple of young people that tilted it too far back. Could I, could I flip them forward and like juice up my prefrontal cortex and then do some reading? So let's, let's keep going. Like, I want to answer that, but let's, let's keep going with this. So let's just say that you had it on wrong and you're stimulating some other part of your brain, not the motor cortex, right? So the worst that could happen is you just don't get the training benefit. So, you know, let's say you had it on incorrectly and you just did a bunch of training, practicing ping pong, you know, you're still going to get a training lift because you practiced, but you're not going to get an additional training lift because your neurostimulation was mistargeted, if that makes any sense. So, so just to kind of maybe close this chunk of the conversation on safety, because I'm, I'm like, I'm really happy that you asked, because I think, you know, for most people, their first exposure to hearing about neurostimulation is, you know, is like, you know, they're somewhat fearful of this idea. But, you know, the safety data for this technology is incredibly safe. So, you know, we have a database of over a quarter million neurostimulation sessions and in our user in, a, in our user base it's been incredibly safe you know in the published literature there's been about 4,000 articles published on this topic and there's been safety data that goes along with just about every single one of these publications and some of them covering hundreds if not tens of thousands of people sometimes for years on end and in the published literature again it verifies what we found is that this this technology is incredibly safe? Yeah, so that's great. That 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 definitely helps kind of assuage my safety question. I think the physical piece is really interesting. I'm somebody who also spends a huge amount of time reading, learning, listening to audiobooks and podcasts, and all this kind of stuff. Let's say just for for reading a book, for example, is and it may not be possible with the current iteration of the Halo Sport, but could I, in theory? tilt it forward onto my prefrontal cortex and, and juice that up. And that might be the wrong part of the brain, quite honestly. I don't know enough about exactly where that's going to be happening. But but the idea is basically, could I reposition it or how would I want to position it? Or how would I use something like neurostimulation to then go read a book and have that knowledge sink in, you know, five times more deeply than it would have previously? So that's a great question. And the answer is that you could. 
So uh, you asked about the prefrontal cortex. So just for your listeners, the, the, the reason why you picked on this part of the brain is because the prefrontal cortex has been implicated in executive function, cognitive function, especially attention and focus. So neuroscientists, especially cognitive neuroscientists, have been interested in this special part of the brain, thinking that if we can augment this circuit that centers around the prefrontal cortex, that we can augment cognitive function. So sure enough, there's a wealth of data out there now. Many of these papers have come out in the last five years, so relatively new science. But there's been dozens of publications that describe the use of neurostimulation applied to the prefrontal cortex that behaviorally generates benefits in executive function and cognitive function, which, uh, you know, just not to spill company secrets, we're really interested in that. So you asked a question, you know, with Halo Sport, hey, we know it's a neurostimulator. We know it's, it's meant to target the top of your head, but, you know, what if I'm a power user? And what if I want to tilt it forward? So the prefrontal cortex for, for your listeners is kind of like that, that, the top part of your forehead, like right at the hairline in most people. So what if you tilt it, tilt it forward such that the electrodes are now over your prefrontal cortex and, you know, you used Halo Sport and it might look a little silly because you've got headphones now on your forehead, but whatever, right? You want to do neurostimulation of your prefrontal cortex. Like, you, you, you absolutely could, you know, like, w- would I recommend it? Maybe not because it's like Halo Sports just not meant to target the prefrontal cortex. But, you know, we know that some of our power users, like many of our, you know, we're, we're, we're collaborators with a lot of different scientists. And we, we know that there are certain labs that are using it in this capacity. So it, it definitely can be done. And would the prefrontal cortex be the right place to put it? to improve retention of materials that I was learning? Absolutely. So you got that right. So there's even a more special part of the prefrontal cortex called the dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex or the DLPFC, especially the one on the left. So this area has been studied in great detail, probably, you know, it's right up there with the motor cortex and brain regions that's been studied with neurostimulation. And the results have been really impressive. So, you know, looking at attention and focus and memory, you know, you can enhance all of those things if you stimulate the DLPFC. So, you know, apply that to reading a textbook, you know, to learn a new body of science or a foreign language or something like that would be a great application. Very interesting stuff. So for somebody who's listening who maybe doesn't have access to a neurostimulation device, what would be kind of one action item that you would give them to start implementing some of the themes and ideas we've talked about today in terms of taking some basic steps towards improving brain health and brain optimization? So we talked about sleep. We didn't talk about exercise. You know, exercise has been shown over and over and over to be like great for brain health. So I I don't know if this is any of this is news, but like if, if, maybe us talking about it inspires people to actually do it, that would be a huge win, you know, for me and hopefully for this podcast. It's simple enough, like get good sleep and also exercise regularly. I I mean, those two things will go such a long way for brain health and performance. You know, we didn't talk about vascular health. So vascular health is brain health. A big, you know, this is 
this is for later in life, but you know, it's all of these things start with healthy habits when you're young. You know, when the arteries start to harden and narrow, you get into problems with good blood flow through the brain. You also get in like, you know, to the nth degree, you know, there's a, you know, what's called a brain attack or a stroke that could happen. And obviously that's terrible for brain health, but you know, healthy arteries start with good habits when we're young. So that's about eating right, maintaining a good, healthy weight and exercise. So yeah, if, uh, again, like not rocket science, nothing fancy. You just got to do it. Great advice. And, and we talk about it all the time on the show and we'll throw some great episodes in the show notes as well that dig into sleep strategies and, and much more. But it, it bears repeating that sometimes the simplest interventions are, are the most powerful. Dan, for listeners who want to find more about you and Halo and all of your work and everything you're doing online, what is the best place for them to go? Yeah, the website's got a ton of stuff. So what URL is really easy. It's just haloneuro.com. And you can find us on all the different social media feeds, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know, like uh, all the latest company news will also show up on social. And our email list, you can sign up for at our website. We'll have like additional richer content that folks that really want to dig in and, and stay, stay abreast with the company. I'd highly recommend that. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show, for digging into all this fascinating neuroscience. It's really, really cutting edge stuff. And, and it's, it's fascinating. I can't wait to see where this research keeps going and what other devices and applications you create over time to help people optimize and hack their brains. Yeah, Brad. Thanks. No, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you so much for listening to The Science of Success. We created this show to help you, our listeners, master evidence-based growth. I love hearing from listeners. If you want to reach out, share your story, or just say hi, shoot me an email. My email is matt at successpodcast.com. That's M-A-T-T at successpodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I read and respond to every single listener email. I'm going to give you three reasons why you should sign up for our email list today by going to successpodcast.com, signing up right on the homepage. There's some incredible stuff that's only available to those on the email list, so be sure to sign up, including an exclusive curated weekly email from us called Mindset Monday, which is short, simple, filled with articles, stories, things that we found interesting and fascinating in the world of evidence-based growth in the last week. Next, you're getting an exclusive chance to shape the show, including voting on guests, submitting your own personal questions that we'll ask guests on air, and much more. Lastly, you're going to get a free guide we created based on listener demand, our most popular guide, which is called How to Organize and Remember Everything. You can get it completely for free, along with another surprise bonus guide by signing up and joining the email list today. Again, you can do that at successpodcast.com, sign up right at the homepage, or if you're on the go, just text the word SMARTER, S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to a friend, either live or online. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes because that helps boost the algorithm that helps us move up the iTunes rankings and helps more people discover the science of success. Don't forget, if you want to get all the incredible information we talk about in the show, links, transcripts, everything we discuss, and much more, be sure to check out our show notes. You can get those at successpodcast.com. Just hit the show notes button right at the top. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success.
Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home, yes, cool, or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.